in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bully-proofing portfolios, totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show at Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. To receive your complimentary and personalized financial income plan, give us a call, 513-575-9654. If you're no longer with the company, as a rule, your money should not be there either, so we can help you take control of that, roll that out into a tax-neutral IRA. Again, give us a call, 513 575 9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email, share your thoughts to team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, today we're going to be discussing retirement risks. Seven of them. If we can get to all seven, we will. But there are different types of risks that you and your money could face during retirement. You know, retirement can be challenging, and you might call it a life changing event. And hopefully for you, the better. I mean, we'll help you make that true if you'll come and contact us and see us and let us kind of take you by the hand through this process. So you'll be ready. You'll know what to expect, such as these retirement risks. In working a lifetime, as you probably have up to this point, you've chosen to retire, hopefully to live another lifetime, right? A whole separate uh, flip side of the coin. But how prepared are you? Have you crossed the T's, dotted the I's, or have you dotted the T's and crossed your I's? I just, the whole thought of that. Can you visualize that and, and crossing? I hope you can cross um, the tracks to the other side of retirement and be a happy camper at that. I know it gets a little spooky out there with the markets as they are today, uh, pulled back. It's, it's one of those, it's like a bearish time out there, James, without a recession. And there's so much good on the market side of things going on as a catalyst for uh, an ongoing cyclical bull follow through. And this being one of those little intermittent pauses or or intermissions uh, along the way being bearish for a season. Well, re recession is like a compared to what? And it's the definition is somewhat looking backwards and also looking forward. So whether we are technically in a recession, actually in a recession, it's again compared to what, maybe compared to when as well. And how it's really defined and how inflation is really defined and how cash flow is is actually all that matters throughout different life uh, phases financially, including this transition into retirement. Don't be stumbling. Don't trip up over events, even like, you know, we talk about retirement being a lifetime event. Well, during the course of your lifetime, you'll experience recessions, true recessions, some soft, some hard. You'll find that there'll be um, bear markets and there'll be extended bull markets. And there'll be some more thoughts on that as we continue in today's show because several of the risk factors include just these types of components but when you compare like your working career there are bumps there right and your investments that go with that and that of your retirement life to be and the investments that will be necessary to be put in place to where it's either growth to meet and exceed inflation over time or have sufficient liquidity over the course of your retirement and probably backing into the most important you know, uh, working backwards here is the income that you'll need from certain assets and investments so that you have the cash flow along with whatever other fixed or foundational forms of income, whether it's Social Security or pension. What does you need 
minus the foundational income equals some kind of gap. And we'll fill that gap appropriately with the right assets and the right investment vehicles. But um, anyway, however you've handled your investments, your money in the past, it's going to change. It's going to need to change your perspective on the market, your perspective on risk, your perspective on which vehicles to use for the investment choices that you'll need to make for a purpose. Tying absolutely. If you've never done it before, it's time now to assign your money a purpose. Give it a job description. And if that job description is income, then you want certainty with income or you just want income as a form of cash flow thrown off of uh, some mix of investments or dividends or yield based products. You know, those are choices will help you make that are most, again, appropriate for your purpose. And it's you don't want to pick up the wrong surgical instrument and go about uh, surgery. And you certainly don't want to operate on yourself. And once upon a time, there was a commercial. It's kind of witty, kind of straight to the point where this guy's on the phone with some quote unquote advisor getting a step by step instruction on how to make the first incision with a scalpel and do some little surgery on oneself. You don't want to do any of that. If, if you think you just got used to how to invest over the course of your accumulation phase in life while you're working, and now you want to, as a, as a rookie, transition to retirement and try to do it yourself too. So this is a call out to even do-it-yourselfers out there. Don't try to do retirement yourself. It's all new to you. It's not like just accumulation phase. So anyways, we kind of journey down this, this corridor or alley of seven different risks that you could now face in retirement that, you know, these weren't as important to you to worry about back when you're working or as you're finishing up your work and, uh, and accumulating that money. So today in defining and discussing these different risks, we want to help you develop the game plan to address each and every one of them. Well, let's get to the thought provoking questions to tie into today's show. So for starters, what has been the historical rate of inflation versus what's the current rate of inflation and how do you measure inflation? Which consumer price index are we looking at? Are we looking at the one for what is maybe a universal version? Or are we looking at the one for the urban wage people, which is what the government uses when they determine the COLA, the cost of living adjustments for benefits such as your social security? So the, the CPIW, it doesn't, and this is kind of a myth, it doesn't completely exclude food and energy costs. It just simply downplays it quite a bit. So that's one reason why they use that particular index to measure what should be the COLAs for the coming year. And what's interesting, if you look back over time, the COLA for Social Security this past year, this is, this is again, by government definition, had the largest COLA in nearly 40 years. And that cost of living adjustment was almost 7%. And this year, we're trending towards something closer to 9 maybe 10%. But again, this is based on what the current rate of inflation is versus what the end of the year inflation becomes. Maybe two different things there. Yeah. Always look at monthly, month over month versus annualized. You'll take a spike in a given month. These statisticians will. And then they'll do the magic math to annualize it. And suddenly you're dealing with this monstrous number that may or may not even be in reality over a 12-month rolling period. All right. Here's another one. How long should you plan on living in retirement? And as Greg referenced previously, it's like two separate lifetimes. So for people who retire, say, for example, at age 60 or age 65, if you live to be 80, 85, 95, yeah, those two or three decades can seem like an entire lifetime, like a second lifetime that's completely separate and different from when you were working and accumulating all those, all those assets. 
Another one that kind of ties hand and glove into as we get older, what should we plan or what should we have in place in our plan? Here's what I mean by that. Should we buy traditional long-term care insurance? And in place of traditional long-term care insurance, are there other alternatives to perhaps consider that maybe provide more of an asset-based protection plan? Any thoughts on that, Greg? Well, yeah, there are some products out there to where you can use some of your assets that are more investment oriented that you don't need anytime soon. Keep them back as a rainy day fund, maybe put them into um, a life insurance product that would give both a death benefit if you were to pass and everyone eventually does, or can be many times worth that face value, the death benefit policy as long-term care benefits if, when, or ever you need that. You know, when you're talking about different lifetime again, the pre-retirement, post-retirement that you could spend, you know, 65 through 95, uh, almost as though it's another lifetime. I'm thinking, yep. And we don't, we begin to lose each decade, some energy and some time, energy, focus and ability, capacity to enjoy. Perhaps you hope for a great first 10 years of retirement, then you want to repeat it and have another 10 and so forth for the entire journey, of course. But I'm, I'm thinking millennials, maybe they got this right. I think they're going to spend the first 65 years of their life retired and then work the last 30. It's the way a lot of a lot of folks I've run into is like, when are you going to get to work? When are you going to go and pursue your career path? What are you going to do for money? And it just, I've never seen anything quite like it, but it, you just triggered that thought. I Hey, I'm kind of envious. Imagine if we could have started the first five decades in, in pure do whatever you want. Yeah. And then transition to finally having to get a job and grow up. Obviously, we're sounding like boomers here, okay? We're sounding like okay, boomers. All right. How much might you spend during retirement and healthcare costs? Yes, this is going to be uh, interesting because what seems counterintuitive is that the longer you live, the more you're going to spend, right? Even if you're healthy. Can you invest in principally protected products and actually still make money? The answer, surprisingly, is yes. How can you control your emotional ties to your money? or at least try to mitigate those emotional ties and avoid making irrational decisions. What is the sequence of returns risk and how can we possibly avoid it? What should a good retirement plan look like? And last and certainly not least, should I hire a certain type of financial advisor or advisory firm to help manage these different types of risks? Yes, a holistic one, just like us. Well, there's James. more, there's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513 575 9654 call us we can help but stay tuned you're listening to the sound money investment show with brown financial advisors here on 55 krc detoxation Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors. Advisors, LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borton. We are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. That means we do work for clients and not companies. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. 
Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? All right. Continuing with seven retirement risks. Hopefully get all seven here. The different types of risks that we're talking about that affect you and your money. Well, these are things you're, you're going to face on all likelihood throughout your retirement. So as we go through these, not trying to scare you, we promise, just trying to make sure that you're totally aware of the many key areas that you'll need to focus on. And as you want to set up what you want it to be as a, a confident retirement plan, a game plan with your hard-earned dollars. So things drastically can change when you leave the workforce and um, enter this retirement domain. Now, even like life as you know it, I mean, it, it's not like overly profound, but you would admit that your routine and daily habits and rituals will need to change. You can't show up in your bathing suit uh, at the office and and hold a cup of coffee and wear flip-flops and a snorkel and watch everyone else work just because you missed the work environment. You, your, your routines will change. And transitioning to enjoying your hobbies without killing them and financing the, the luxuries, the pleasures, the, the joys that make up your life with you and significant people in your life, you know, children, grandchildren, spouse, how are you going to pull this off? This is a, this is one warning. It's not really a risk unless it's true for you. If you've had a tendency to take care of everyone in your circle, always pick up the bill, always pick up the vacations, always pick up the down payment on cars, houses, always there to be the safety net. You need to reevaluate that. If you try to take that, that all-in attitude, willing to help, friends to the end, uh, always the go-to in your family for such things. That could be one significant risk factor that isn't even listed here. One of the great wonders of the world of how to fail in retirement, even how to fail for planning for retirement. So if you're down to the 10 years prior to retirement and you've never really felt more financially secure, your income, your cash flow, more of an empty nester except for boomerang children, and you're, you're facing on and on being the go-to person, or it makes you feel good just doing it, reevaluate. Those types of dollars should be going rapidly into your savings for your future so you can be a safe haven for not only yourself and your significant other, but also a place for them to come back to these people in your life that you care so much about so that when they need love, food, and water, you can at least give them that and a place to sleep too. But you need to transition from doing so much. Just, I don't know, I feel compelled to share that. Maybe you're listening right now and that that registers with you you got to take action on that one that can erode your bottom line and bring a leak in your retirement tire that will go flat on you anyway fine line between worrying too much about all these things like obviously i was just sharing that concern and uh, how it can impact your retirement and not worrying about being overconfident or underprepared or worrying so much you just affect your health and it doesn't matter health matters a lot so anyway we're going to discuss these as we continue uh, James, let's help folks understand how important it is to develop a game plan. All right. So here are the seven different types of risks we're going to cover today. Starts with the first and maybe what's on most people's minds today, inflation. There's also something called longevity risk. Yes, this is the risk that you might live too long, at least too long based on what you have for assets that might help you afford living that good old long life, right? Long-term illness. Now, this might mean that you have some type of incapacitation. Maybe it requires a nursing home stay. Maybe it results in, in being qualified or classified as being disabled, so a disability. Sometimes what happens that's, that's more, more damaging to your nest egg is a disability or long-term illness without actually dying. I know that sounds really kind of crass, but nevertheless, that's the reality. 
Healthcare costs, hand in glove with the long-term illness. Healthcare costs today, if you say, well, what does it cost to actually, you know, pay for healthcare during retirement? And depending upon how long you live, and ironically, the healthier people tend to spend more in retirement on healthcare costs than the unhealthy people. And the trick question of the reason why is because they live longer. It might cost you upwards of $300,000 if you're completely healthy just to pay for healthcare costs. Yeah, I was thinking as numbers inflate, like your age. Yes. <laughs> you, you have an inflation risk based on your age number keeps getting larger. And remember, those are in today's dollars. If we have something even approximating the level of inflation we've had here recently, that's like saying inflate those costs by 5% a year. Irrational investor behavior. This is when we let our emotions dictate how we should invest. Typically, when the going gets rough, the you know the people get going, and that means that they sometimes decide this is when they're going to sell out of their investments instead of having some discipline in their investment accounts. That doesn't mean necessarily that you should not ever make any adjustments whatsoever. It just means that we, based on human emotions alone, we tend to do the opposite of what we should do when it comes to our investment decisions. You know, when you buy high and sell low, and then you repeat that process over and over again, it equals bad results. And yet our emotions tell us to do exactly that. You know, that's I just see that so clearly as being the pendulum effect. And this happens in money and markets, just like it happens in politics and other circles or cycles of life. Um, some might say, let's say just politically for a moment, that some might say that the pendulum has swung too far to the right you know, and then they think an election cycle is used for the purpose to set it back to center, you know, rebalance that. But does that happen? No, the pendulum swings too far past center and goes to the left again. And then, oh, it's too far left. It's time to vote another way. And it goes back, bypasses center. Same with money and markets. The S&P at the end of last year was at 27 times earnings, just to keep it simple, big picture, 27 times the collective earnings of all the S&P 500 companies. It's now about 14 and a half, 14. That's a significant pendulum swing to the other side. Most of that pushing of the pendulum past center, past to rebalance, to align with intrinsic value of these companies and, you know, based on their earnings and their, their hard assets and, um, you know, the, the quality of their uh, fundamentals, their, their, my goodness, their market cap, their market opportunity, their positioning in the markets. No, it bypasses the center of actual value and swings too far to undervalued, oversold. And then with the interest rates going up, which they have, and then inflation, cost of goods going up, you have these companies. Here's the good news. Top line sales are strong. Here's the not so good news. Cost vis-a-vis vis um, cost of money, uh, affecting expansions, leveraged buyouts, um, additional facilities, more people, staff, products to expand markets, all gets more costly. So the expenses are up, which squeezes the revenue of the companies down pre-tax basis. And the market collectively beats up which companies? Like all of them, because this affected all the companies out there. So you have like literally 500 accounting departments and 500 Fortune 500 companies in the U.S. and, and the countries, other countries too. Uh, re projecting their earnings and they're projecting them lower, right? Because the higher costs, lower earnings. 
But the good news, again, to come back, circle back, the top line sales are still strong. Consumption's still strong. That's good news. That's not recessionary type stuff there, if you just take that antidote. Now, what happened? The companies collectively lowered the bar of earnings going forward. Now, here's another truth. What happens next? Well, they have an easier way to clear the hurdle of the bar of those lower expected earnings. It makes it easier for them to hit their numbers quarter after quarter after quarter. And, and guess what's next? They get rewarded for it. So if you're a seasoned investor who recognizes these truths, you'll be right in the saddle on your way to Dodge City to meet Matt Dillon and Miss Kitty because they're going to it's going to pay you earnings per share. It's going to pay you a price valuation increase for the stocks you own. And you're going to return as an investor who's happy that you stayed investing because it is about time in the market, not timing the market. Now, if you have some money on the sidelines, you want to take advantage of a blue light special. We're towards the low of this. We know that the market's undervalued. Just call us. We can help with these things, even if it's a bit of coaching to keep you from making really bad mistakes with your money that's hard for you to overcome, particularly when you're no longer working. Well, and sometimes irrational behavior means taking on too much risk that you're not wired to actually withstand. Very and true. then there's also the other side, which is losing money safely. This is when people who have absorbed the market losses decide now's the time to get out or move to a safe or quote, quote unquote safe investment. That's a low performing asset and they missed the rebound. So they've lost twice. Mm -hmm. And that also ties hand and glove and fist into the sequence of returns risk. So there's more. There's much more that we're going to cover after a commercial break. Our phone number 513-575-9654. Cause we can help. And stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. Need talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borton. We are an independent RIA. That means a registered investment advisory firm. And it really does all start with the plan. That means actually having a plan, knowing what you own and why you own it. So whether you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, IRA rollover, investment planning, retirement planning, income planning, tax planning, social security maximization, Roth conversion analysis, NUA analysis, and perhaps even for some an in-service rollover. All those and more we can help. 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, y'all. Uh, James, you know, you add to that list insurance advisory, long-term care, uh, tax advisory, tax preparation, estate planning, you stir all that together. That's what holistic means. So one of these uh, one of these thought-provoking questions you asked earlier, uh, what type of firm should you work with and should you work with one? The answer is yes, and it should be like ours, holistic. It can help you with the whole uh, landscape or the whole, um, you know, the whole spectrum of all the things you're really going to need in all aspects of retirement, investing, insurance, financial planning, income planning, you know, what about the effect on taxes, on your investments, tax efficiency? It just all works together, unless it doesn't, right? Unless you're you're seeing about a half dozen or so one-trick ponies. There's the investment group over there. Oh, there's the insurance agent. There's my tax person. Let's see, who am I missing? My attorney. Gosh, do I have a financial planner? Um, what what's, what's next? What about insurance? 
concerns when it comes to health insurance, um, life, life planning, legacy. My goodness, there's just so much to it. Medicare, you should transition off private health care into the, the, uh, the government domain. All of that right here through all the transitions, iterations that you'll face as we talk about risk, every one of these services I just outlined, underdone, not done or not offered or left on your own to go find something to try to connect all these dots, that's a risk in and of itself, not having the right advice. Who do you listen to? Why do you listen to them? And James, I know you're on a more, more practical risk factor uh, of inflation. Yes, well, inflation, let's start with that because during your working life, there tends to be a natural progression of where you have raises, bonus, and in general, making more money over time as the years go by. This is designed to help offset inflation. In fact, many employers actually do provide, almost as a standard, some type of cost of living adjustment based on loosely what they think inflation is from year to year. So that's during your working years where essentially your wages are either keeping up with or outpacing the rates of inflation. But when it comes to retirement, well, no longer earning that paycheck. Instead, you're likely, likely creating your own self-funded pension via your investable assets, your nest egg. So one thing to keep in mind for those lucky enough to still have pensions out there is most pensions do not have a COLA built into their calculations. Whatever you earn from one year to the next is the same year one, year five, year 10, et cetera. Social Security at least does have a built-in cost of living adjustment, but here's the good news and the bad news at the same time. If your Social Security goes up, let's just say by 5%, guess what also is going to go up by about 5%? Your Medicare premiums. So it's as if the government has given and taketh away all at the same time. Greg, what's next? Excuse me. I, just people ask us about what is our position on inflation? I can tell you my personal and professional one with different input from different analysts is that over the next 12 months to see inflation reduced by 50%, that would be a great relief to the overall economy any way you slice it. But what's that really mean? Well, it would also mean that it would be left at a rate that's still historically high. So for example, if it touched on 10% annualized, and we'll, we'll work with that number, I don't really buy it because it's annualized. It popped up one month, they multiply, you know, they, they take the number and divide it in a way and then multiply it by 12 and get it annualized. And suddenly it's some big, fat, robust number that's that's very spooky to most people. But that aside, let's say it's 10 and it reduces by 50% to five. And let's say the Fed target is two and a half or three, call it three. Well, that's still 2% above three, right? Which is like 45% higher than what you'll hear the talking heads, the buzz heads and the meat heads say historically high inflation. It's horrible out there. There's blood in the streets. But no, it'd be about you know five down from 10. And we should be celebrating that at that point. And the economy will in so many regards. But the analysts and talking heads will still be banging a war drum over doldrums and, and hysteria and bleakness because that's just what half of media does. So the other half can do the other job and they can all just you know try to entertain us with a bunch of noise. But there's a reality for you. What, now, why would costs come down? Well, I can tell you that that uh, all the countries of the world, almost like a Coca-Cola Kumbaya song from the 70s, where they're all on a hillside holding a candle singing that little song. You remember that? It draws a picture, doesn't it? It was a, it was a nice song. However, it was a bit hippie. But you have the world has thrown their masks into the toilet over COVID and learned to live with it. 
almost all of them four months ago at the same time said, just learn to live with it. Well, that means the strategic partners in the emerging markets, which have been undervalued for some time, and most of the manufacturing around the globe is starting to ramp back up logistically, getting the right people, getting the systems, their, their, their machines running, and they're trying to go from 50% production to 70, 90, 110, 140. And as they do so, supply chain management loosens up, distribution channels open up, product and services of supplies start to meet demand and costs come down. This is natural. This is very natural. And the thing about Russia, Ukraine and energy and food, we could produce all that. You know, if the president just needs to soften his policies here a bit and like production, Mr. President, just production, that'll help inflation. A, a three month gas holiday, gas tax holiday is going to help like next to no one. Oh, that's just fool's gold. It's it's midterm election um, magician stuff. And most most everyone knows that. And these people that are, you know, red states are, or blue states are going red. That's not what we see happening. It's just people that get affected in the wallet and purse saying the man's to blame. The man happens to be Biden and whatever administration he's out next. Who's in there? They don't overthink this politically. It's not like they actually suddenly become Republicans from Democrats. It's just not that deep. I wish it were. I wish people studied up these things well enough to make more informed votes. But just so you know where we stand on some inflation and these interest rates have already been baked in to the projections of Wall Street. And Wall Street, as mentioned, has been pistol whipped over it. But it lowered their expectations going forward, lowered the bar. They'll be able to exceed the bar going forward. They'll get rewarded for earnings and performance um, quarter over quarter. So just don't buy that things are so horrible. And, and it gets ramped up. The, the hype gets ramped up. A lot of it politically, too, as you approach midterms and, and, and every four-year election cycles. Um, it gives opportunity for one side to really uh, just grind on it. Now, I know market values are down. Stock portfolios are down. I get it. But financial plans, at least our financial plans, are in full motion good. We have solid portfolio strategies, a lot of different solutions to address all the risks that you have, whether it's inflation, longevity, um, you know, investor exuberance or investor behavior, you know, long-term critical illness. You've got a lot of things here that can confront you, rising health costs. Um, but just don't, in any of those decisions, don't let emotions get in the way. Don't fall trap or victim of bias, whether it's financial bias, favorite stock. Don't fall in the stock. It will disappoint you. Um, or even the stock of the company you worked at so long. Or even political bias that leads you to just be um, Eeyore when the other party's in office, you know, for two to four years at a time. Don't do that to yourself. That's not how money and markets actually work and how you react to losing money. James mentioned sequence of return risk. If you start out the first one to three years of your retirement trajectory, with negative returns, what does that look like downrange and on the back end? Not good. There are methods here, folks, that we have that we can help you with so that these don't these risks don't turn into turn the boat over and everyone sinks because they can't swim. But James, longevity risk. Longevity, if you're healthy when you enter retirement, well, just how long should you plan on living? Um, now, it's important that the amount of time you have uh, to help ensure that your your assets will, will last, you know, knowing that time, if you think it's 20, 25 years, or if you base it on your gene pool or whatever it is, I think you need to just plan on what if it's 30 years? How do you make your money last so that your money outlives you? We need to project and work on that with the right assets, the right investments in an overall financial plan. How would you um, how would you go about determining whether you have enough saved to finance the retirement needs of such a period of 20 to 30 or more years? Scary thought, unless you have a plan. 
Uh, a plan doesn't mean that it works out perfectly that way, but it certainly gives you a plan in place to come back to, to recenter on as you kind of go left and right of center. And it provides a great deal of peace. And statistically, we have a tool that will measure the probability of success. So knowing what to spend on a monthly basis, Christmas, vacations, birthdays, all your expense side, so that we can marry it up with the right income needs, whether it's income you currently have, the you know, Social Security pension, and what's the gap, again, we'll solve for with the right investments over time. And some of those investments will be guaranteed for a lifetime. Therefore, you have longevity protection, longevity insurance in one of your investments. Very critical. Well, here's another way of thinking about the planning process. If you think you might live to 90, then your plan should say you're living to 95. So add another five at the end just to kind of say, well, what if you have better health than what was expected during those retirement years that maybe projects into living a little bit longer than you either planned for or budgeted for? There's more. There's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55 KRC Detox Station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do for clients and not companies. That's Main Street and not Wall Street. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Historically, if you're downtrodden out there, just know that positive markets is measured by January through December. Full year comparisons, year over year since 1926, are nearly four to one positive over negative. There aren't that many extreme, like negative 50, negative 40 to 50%. They're mostly negative uh, 1 to 10% on an annum, you know, over a full year basis. I know year to date things are more bleak. However, that's not how the annual 12-month periods usually hold out historically. Many more times positive than negative. And you know the positive years, that the, the most positive years are between 10% and 20% and 20% and 30%. That's where the bell curve uh, spikes, right in that sweet spot. Now, I would have thought that most negative uh, seasons would be um, a little deeper on the, on the red side and maybe not as profound on the upside. But it's not only nearly four to one positive over negative, it's nicely positive. And staying invested in the market over time, adding the good years and minus the bad years and you know, dividing out the difference and getting an average rate of return will put you in a place that you need to be and belong and deserve for the risk taken. So long as you take the risk, don't throw in the towel, don't get nervous. As James said earlier, you got to be at the appropriate risk in all market seasons, because if you get a little exuberant and you start chasing the market when it's good, because everyone's making so much money and you increase your risk and increase your stock position beyond where you should, and then it turns on you, it hurts you worse because you were never, you were never made to be in that risk tolerance range. You weren't designed for that as an individual, as an investor, and it hurts. So what do you do? You're the most tempted to bail as things get tough. If you're in the right position for the right reason, according to a plan, you can stay the course, succeed on purpose, and you don't have to fall victim to the news and noise of the day, you know, because it'll make you, it might make you ill. Speaking of illness, what do you know? Long-term oh, yeah. care and illness and chronic illness. Yes, the long-term and chronic illness at that. 
And this is the older that we get. This is true for most of us. The older we get, the more insurance we need when it comes to health insurance. That means the more likely that we're going to wind up either needing some type of home care or nursing home care coverage. Now, statistically speaking, there's that word statistics. According to recent retirement studies, more than 50% of people age 65 will need long-term care at some point in the future. Here's what that means. The monthly cost of a skilled nursing facility, this is in today's dollar, is approximately $8,000. That's per month. And that equates to $96,000 a year. The average length of stay is approximately three years. So the cost for your lifetime could easily surpass $300,000 just for a nursing home stay. And again, those are in today's prices. And the so-called medical rate of inflation is trending north of 5% historically has trended north of 5%. This year, of course, a little bit higher than that. So five to 10 years from today, that number could maybe be 25 to 50% higher. That's an ouch. That's something that you should definitely plan for as part of your overall retirement plan. Keep in mind that if you don't go to a nursing home, you're still going to projectively spend about $250,000 to $300,000 over your lifetime in medical and healthcare costs. So with the nursing home stay, Double that to at least five to six hundred thousand dollars. Goodness sakes! Well, and with that, I mean, with the expense of healthcare, there are some alternatives out there. Um, when it comes to long-term care, uh, we talked about a life insurance product where it'll pay a death benefit at the end, or many times the death benefit for long-term care. It's not as intense an in underwriting as you would typically find for for a life policy. Um, it can be sometimes it's called asset-based long-term care insurance, and we can show you some things along the line of long-term care protection. Um, the downside to traditional products is that if you don't use it, you lose it, and that can be expensive. But so can this other solution if it takes too much money away from your investing and cash flow side of your financial plan. And uh, like, like most cultures, most cultures on this planet still today take care of their own until the end. You know, we're kind of unique in the United States as being the ones that kind of outsource long-term care. And there are a lot of reasons for it. I'm not trying to be judgmental over it. I, I understand our, our economy and our, our system and our nation is wired a little differently. Usually it's two-income families. You know, it, care needs get to a certain level. It's beyond the ability, both time and capacity for us to take care of some of our loved ones. But just in the backdrop, just know that one of the best places to provide long-term care, as you know it, it's still at home. And from financial and compassionate and humanitarian aspect and family, just keep that in mind. And um, those rising healthcare costs, when James is talking about, you know, today spending upwards of $300,000 in healthcare between, you know, age 65 and retirement. And people say, but I'm healthier. I shouldn't pay that much. Well, the healthier you are, the longer you live, you'll find a way to spend pretty much that much either way. And so in the concept of let's get to risk of emotional, rational investor behavior, a risk that's hard to identify and even harder to control. It's a risk. It's it's brings about on yourself the way you think, how you make decisions regarding investments in dollars. Uh, you're studying the effect that behavior has. If you look into that, you'll find that decisions that you make on investments is trended. It's a psychological pattern. It's a behavior that's been researchable and something can be studied and statistically we can apply numbers at it and say you know what uh, emotional irrational behavior will come back to haunt you if you fall victim to it you can't be emotional about your investments 
So anyway, just in the category of emotion and leading to irrational investor behavior, we can help coach you through that. And having a financial plan that dictates kind of the terms and conditions of how you should engage retirement also helps as a backdrop too. Well, one of those one of those biases when we, we talk about the so-called irrational behavior deals with confirmation bias. Confirmation bias, pretty simple to define, means people tend to justify their decisions by asking other people what they think about those decisions. And this is where we have like the echo chamber effect because we tend to gravitate towards the people who agree with us in the first place. So yes, of course you're right, right? And we push away anyone who doesn't agree and we tend to not listen to those that we don't agree with in the first place. So for example, when it comes to investments, if you buy a particular stock, bond, mutual fund, ETF, et cetera, but someone that you actually confide in doesn't agree with your decision, you might just go find someone who does to make yourself feel better. That's the confirmation bias. Another one is called anchoring. People tend to anchor their decisions, their investments on what they believe in or have had past success with, regardless of what the future outlook might say about that investment. Yeah, anchoring. It just reminds me of one of my sons. We were at Yellowstone and he got really close to a buffalo. He was so happy about that. Got pictures and all. I kept telling him, get away from that buffalo. Anyway, a week later, we hear a story. A kid in Yellowstone gets gored to death. He got too close to a buffalo. So if our, my son was back there anchoring in his belief, he would have thought he could just get close to another buffalo. These beliefs don't line up with reality oftentimes. And losing money safely. Losing money safely is as simple as a dollar in a bank account or CD that's under earning against inflation. It's going backwards. It's not staying static. It's not moving forwards. It's moving backwards. A dollar in the bank this year is still a dollar in the bank next year minus purchase power against inflation. And if it has cycled up to 10% annualized, then that $1 bill isn't 100 pennies. It's 90 pennies and going down fast. So there are solutions to this, even in the area of fixed annuities, fixed index annuities, which get beat up a lot as being overly conservative, unnecessary, not right for most investors. Well, I don't know. We don't know what we don't know about you, and it might be right for you. We have CD type annuities that are paying upwards of 4.2% on a five-year basis. That's better than bank instrument CDs. We have fixed index annuities that have participation rates of 50 plus percent of the S&P. What does that mean? You get half the upside of the market, none of the downside. That's pretty darn good. Statistics show that a, an investor only really gets about 35% of the market over time. In other words, how much of a product like an um, like an annuity, how much the upside would you need over a 10-year period to meet or exceed the average rate of return of being fully invested in the market with its ups and downs? The number is about between 30 and 35%. That's really all you need to the upside minus the downside to equivalent to, to be equivalent to 100% of the upside and 100% of the downside over time average together for your average rate of return in the market. It's, it's just there's so much. There's always so much more. And then there's also the sequence of returns risk, which is a form of market risk. And this is when we say, well, markets cycle. They always have. They always will. So you can control when you retire, but you can't control what the market does in that timeline. Are you going to retire at the beginning of a bull, the middle of the bull, at the end of the bull? Again, the same with the bear. The, the beginning, the middle, or the end. What does the market cycle look like based on your timeline versus the market's timeline? What will that do to your investments to carry market risk? And how could that potential loss affect your retirement and your income? Just 
questions to ponder, things to think about, our phone number, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. Now, on behalf of Greg, myself, James, we want to thank you for listening today. Have a great week. And remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you.